Good morning. Welcome to Rock Valley Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's good to see each and every one of you. And I ask you to forgive me for my allergies just a little bit. I have this fog in my throat, so bear with me uh, and pray for me in that. So it's actually kind of a blessing in the house that you just, I don't get to hear you much anymore. Praise God. But you know, it doesn't stop us loud mouth preachers. Sometimes we have to do that. So please be in prayer for me. Just a simple, small allergy. Uh, it really went down when the rain came. And now that the rains are gone again, it's come right back up. So if you be in prayer for me, greatly appreciate that. Other than that, you're in pretty good health at the moment. Other than I'm too cold. <coughs> All right. Amen. My feet reach around, so I'm good to go. All right, so I do have a few things I want to share with you. Number one, it's good to see you. One of you who's visiting with us this morning. I'm going to ask you to put out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it on the plate and come to the house. We're going to you visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online, we want to ask you to come and be a part of what God is doing here at Rock Valley. Get up off that couch. Get in the pews. See what God is doing here. Come on. Be a part of what God is doing here at Rock All right, we do have a special call visit for you coming up September 8th. Looking at two items and two items only. Number one, we're going to have to sign on you on our constitution. Under minor changes in the building. So we'll be voting on that. And the second thing we're going to look at is the roof of the top of Children's Church. And then when the foyer needs to be reused, we need your permission to have that uh, cleanly done. So please be in prayer about that. All right. Uh, the item of the month for those operating sickness child is. School supplies, so please continue to pray for the kids. Be a part of that. You can bring them in, put them right in the OCC box right there. And uh, we're getting ready for our uh, Southern Baptist Church of the Texas Evangelism Rally coming up September 10th. If you're interested in that, please would you come and let the officer know we'll be meeting in my office for the day. We have five or six already going, so if you're interested in that, we'd love to take you with us. This is a special time. Dr. Nathan Lord and Dr. Tony Wilson will be preaching.
in the name of the Lord. Go ahead. I think that's been filled. Amen. Like with that being said.
tengo ocho años, voy a ser una doctora, porque de chiquita aprendí que siempre voy a ser doctora. Cuando vine a la iglesia el otro día, en las cajitas que yo recibí, me fue bien bonito. Recibí una cosa, unos juguetes, un peluche bien bonito que estaba. Y con ese peluche voy a dormir. Y mi gatito también. Cuando recibí la caja estaba muy alegre. Aprendí que Dios siempre me quería y siempre me va a querer. Jesús es que me cuide de ella viva. Gracias por todo, que me dan un regalo más bonito y siempre les voy a querer porque es una bendición de Dios. Gracias.
Father God, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We pray for our brother Mike Reed. Lord God, I just know that you are with him, and I know you're going to be uh, with his family, Lord God, during this time. And I just know, Lord, I know you're working on his life. And I just pray you heal him. I pray, Lord God, you speak to him. Let him know that the church family loves him. Just transform him. Let him still go back to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for encouraging me and bearing with me through my voice. Um, hope to have this corrected by the What goes with it? I had a lot of fun writing this message and put a smile on my face. And if you were with us at the nursery on Friday, we caught the end of it a little bit. We're just going to be in it. So, but I, I want you to think for a second about things that go together. In your mind's eye, what goes together? Uh, I'm one of those guys that thinks about traditional things. And so, like peas and carrots, they go together. Peanut butter and jelly go together. Socks and shoes. Somebody said black eyed peas in the New Year's, you know. Um, rhythm and blues go together. A hammer and a nail, a lock and a key, Jack and Jill. Well, here's one for you a man and a woman. Amen. They go together, contrary to what our new society is saying. But just natural to start looking at things that go together. Uh, and of course, when I was putting this sermon together, I couldn't help but think of. Somebody going in their closet, pulling out a skirt or a coat or a tie, and say, What goes with it? As Betsy would tell you, if you were to look at my closet, everything is black, everything goes together, or gray, or perhaps some sort of blue, with an occasional uh, khaki or tan on occasion. But the majority of things in there is black. Last time I helped Betsy with laundry, I was folding my own laundry, and I had this big pile of black, and I was like, Whose draft wardrobe is that? That's like yours. So let's begin this morning by asking, what goes with salvation? In fact, the Bible tells us there are things that go with salvation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. As we look at your word, would you speak to us? Would you open our hearts to hear from you today? Would anybody be something that you have personal Lord and Savior, anyone, Lord God, who let today be that day we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And Lord, please help my voice in your holy and righteous name. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, says, But, beloved, we are confident of better things. Yes, things that accompany salvation. So we speak in the Now, I'm an old King James guy, and I'll be honest with you, that was really hard for me put down that old Catholic head. Mine says, but what I do, says, but beloved, we are confident or we're persuaded of better things than you, things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And that thus speak is a reference to what was behind it. And we're not going to spend a lot of time looking at what was behind it. But I need to bring it up for just a second. What was behind it? It was a picture of what happened to somebody who comes to church Somebody who's heard about God, somebody who is either prayed or has been in God's Word but doesn't really know 
God. Somebody who has seen what God can do. Somebody who has witnessed the power of God through miracles in their family, yet they don't want to turn their life to Christ. In other words, they love their sin so much more than they do God. And that is a fearful and scary situation to be in. The Bible tells us in verse 10, for God is not unjust to forgive you one and labor of love, which he has shown for his name, and to his ministry to the saints, and to minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who be faithful and patient, inherit the promises. So we're going to look this morning at things that accompany salvation. In fact, those things are all throughout the scripture, but we're going to look at three of them. Number one, the Bible tells us about fruit of repentance. Can you believe that? In Matthew 3, verse 8, fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23, and fruits of righteousness, Philippians 1, verse 11. I apologize for the cough drop. I'm hoping I don't get too excited. So let us examine ourselves this morning as many churches today teach that we should never question our salvation every day. That's not true. Second Corinthians 13 verse 5 actually tells us that we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. In fact, it says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are so a lot of churches today, including the Baptist Church, teach that we should never question our salvation. When the Bible says opposite, that we're supposed to examine ourselves daily. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We need to examine ourselves. And so let's look at some of the fruits that accompany salvation. Incidentally, just to keep up tradition, we are going to preach a message and talk about Part of the 
of the Christian experience. The result to another experience that will often forget about in that fruit of righteousness. Do be informed that tonight you'll never find yourselves up. At least I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and manifest in the will of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Well, how do you get to righteousness? Seriously, how do you get to righteousness? Do you think it's somebody who puts on holy clothes? Do you think it's somebody who never, ever, ever gets mad? Or if that's true, you shouldn't be in a bad situation. How do you picture righteousness? I know how I see it. I see it a little bit differently. Most people say Jesus is holier than thou art person. But it's not a holier than thou art person. In fact, Righteousness is a picture of someone who can say no. And someone who can say no. Because Brother John, what are you going to that this morning? I think some of you might be saying no right now in your heart. No. In fact, it's the easiest word in the English language to say. Moms are supposed to have it down pat. You know, you have your kids and they ask you all the time. Mom, can I have this? Mom, can I do that? And you say no, don't you? No is supposed to be one of those words that we have down pat. It's usually one of the second or third words a child learns. No. They learn mama, they learn dada, and they learn no. Why do you think they learn no? Because they hear it a lot, don't they? No. Bear with me for a minute. And let's look at some examples of righteousness this morning. And before we switch that slide, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a problem saying no? No. <laughs> if you went to the mall this weekend and you were walking through the hallway and all those kiosks, people that were there, and they were trying to sell you perfumes and lotions and earrings and Christmas tree ornaments, you would say, no, but we need to learn that as a church and as a bunch of people. We have to learn to say no to unrighteousness. Let's practice again for a minute. Are you ready? On a count of three, let's all say no. Ready? One, two, three. No. You did that very well. God bless you in that. God bless you in it. It's really easy to say, but it's super duper hard to do. It's a lot harder to do than to say. So let's look at some examples of righteousness this morning. Of people who said no. Genesis 39, verses 7 through 9, the Bible says, And it came to pass that these things that had met his wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. Now, just to give you a little background, Joseph had been sold in slavery by his brothers, and he had been uh, forced to work for Potiphar. And as he began working for Potiphar, Potiphar's house began to be blessed. And as he began to be blessed, Potiphar's wife began to look at Joseph with a different way and a different eye. In other words, she began looking at him and said, Wow, this house is moving, it's grooving, it's producing, it is growing, it is now profitable. 
looking at, looking at Joseph. The Bible tells us in verse 7, she cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But, this is verse 8, he, Joseph, refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has in my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? In other words, he said, no. Not only did he say no, he said no with, I can't do this and sin against God. We have to become like Joseph. We're going to start producing fruits of righteousness and start saying no to the world. In fact, if we were to go back in time, if we were to look back at the history of the church, we should have started saying no in the 1960s when we said uh, okay to free love, when we said okay to the breakdown of the family, we should have said no. We should have been saying no from then on. We should be saying no right now. As our government and as our country says, we don't need a family anymore. We should say no. In fact, that makes us when we learn to say no to sin, we start saying yes to God. The first picture I want you to see this morning about bearing fruits of righteousness is Joseph and the fact that he said no to sin. Can you say no to sin? When sin comes to you, you've got to be a Joseph. Turn around and say no. Look at the picture here. Joseph didn't reason with Potiphar's wife. He didn't sit down and say, let me tell you why. He straight up told her, I can't do this and sin against God. In other words, no. He said no with authority. He said no with passion. He said no with conviction. I cannot do this and sin against God. As church, as God's body, as the body of Christ, we've got to learn to start saying no to sin. When's the last time sin has come to your door and you said no? When's the last time you said no to what's coming into your house? Fathers, mothers, husbands, why do you say no to your children when they want to spend your money? And of course you do. Do we say no when they bring in immorality? No is what we're supposed to be saying. Our first picture of bearing fruit is no. When is the last time you said no? As a criminal justice employee for years, one of the things I remember most of all was the time I served as a chaplain, and I walked a young man from the courthouse over to the jailhouse. And as they put those handcuffs on him, and they put those leg irons on him, and they put that belly belt on him, and that belly chain, they got him into that bus. He cried out to me as his family was crying, his wife and his beautiful children were crying out. He said, if I only had the strength to say no. Let me tell you something about sin. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will take you to a place you don't want to be. You think you can handle alcohol? You can't. Alcohol will handle you. You think you can handle drugs? You can't. Drugs will handle you. You've got to learn to be a Joseph and say no to it. 
you got to learn to be a jungle and take off running when it comes into your life. No! It's what we've got to start preaching. No! It's what we've got to start teaching. No! It's what we've got to start saying. And no! It's what we've got to start showing in our houses today. Incidentally, Joseph said no. And he ended up losing his position and his authority, didn't he? You know what happened? Potiphar's wife accuses him of raping her. He says no. She reaches out and grabs him. He takes off running and leaves his cloak or his shirt in her hand. Later on, she says, look, here's the proof. He tried to rape me. He ends up being put in prison for years. He loses his position. He loses his authority. He loses his blessing, if you will, because he says no. How many of you know that righteousness can be costly? It will cost us in the long run. You know what it costs us? It's saying no to sin today. It makes us unpopular with the world. Did you see Joseph when he said no to Potiphar's wife? He lost his popularity in the world. When you say no to sin, you will lose your coolness in the world. But you will gain favor with God. Amen. We need to start saying no again. We need to say no in our families. We need to say no in the church house. No to sin. No to unrighteousness. And what we do will be costly. It will be costly. About a year and a half ago, a man I admired in California stood up to the government and said, No! I will not shut down God's house. No! I will not be intimidated. And he continued meeting and he continued preaching. And to this day, the church is full. Why are you preaching that? Why? He may have lost his position. He may have lost his influence. He may have lost his power. But today, he has the favor of God. We need that to love family. We need that in our families today. We need that back in the church today. Say no to sin. Don't make you unpopular with the world. And let's gain favor with God. No. The easiest word to say, but it's so hard to do. No. Well, when I was growing up, I remember President Ronald Reagan. I'm not here to talk about politics, but he and his wife began a slogan called Just Say No. I believe in my heart of hearts the church today needs to start a slogan that says, Just say no to sin. Just say no. I will not be a part of that. No. I will not partake in that. No. It's not allowed in my house, in the church, or with my family. No. It'll make you unpopular, but it'll make you favorable. Joseph lost his position. Joseph lost his influence. Say no, it's not easy for most of us to stop right there. Boy, I want to be a Joseph. I want to learn to say no. But when we're faced with prison time, it's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Look at our second example of no this morning. Our second one. It starts with the book of Esther. Let me give you the background of Esther. She was a hustler throwing a party. She said she'd been to a party. She had never been to a party like this. This guy was drinking for 21 days straight. 
God, the king was merry with wine. He commanded the Nechman, Hitzkah, Havona, Bigsha, Azadsha, Zechariah, and Carson, seven eunuchs, who served in the presence of the king's officers to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials to see her beautiful new home. Translation, he wanted her to come and strut her stuff for that royal crown that he had. Verse 12, the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, brought by his eunuchs. Therefore, the king was furious, and his anger burned with him. I want you to see the picture of a righteous dove from a woman, as far as we know, does not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. However, there's so much we can learn from Queen Vashti. Let me tell you something about Vashti. Vashti is somebody I admire. She's somebody I learned a lot from. She had position. She had power. She had authority. She had influence. Let me tell you, she's the king's wife. If anybody had the king's ear to turn it again, what she said usually happened. But not quite the other way. How many of you husbands know that thing about this? Your wife can speak to you and you're going to do it. You speak to your wife. And she, like that, she might say, No. Queen Vashti stood up to a decade of tradition, a decade of precedent. She said, no! She lost her position. She lost her power. She lost her authority. She lost her influence. But, oh, she had so much more going for her. As that king sat down with 127 other royal household members, we talked about Joseph for a minute. Joseph had just one, just part of his wife to worry about. But could you imagine if there was 127 other princes in the room? She said it's hard to say no to one famous person. Imagine saying no to 127 others. Easy to say no to somebody out on the street saying, hey, you want to come do this with me? And it's hard to do it. Celebrity shows up and say, Let's do this together. Queen Vashti was ordered by the king to come into the room and be on display for all of these princes. And she said, No. One righteous no. Let me tell you about Vashti's no. He ended up getting her removed. The queen, he ended up getting her removed from the kingdom. She goes into exile because of this. And because of this, the king ends up finding a new queen. She loses her crown. She lost her crown, but no one made her know so hard. You know what made so hard? They passed her over because all those princes were in there saying, shoot me another shot at Jack Daniels. You know, it made her know so hard that everyone in the kingdom would have known about it. Everyone in the kingdom would have taken a step back and what Vashti did. Everyone in the kingdom would have looked at her and said, what's going to happen next? Can you imagine? King Ahasuerus, but she is regal, royal, pampered, 
grab himself. Could you imagine him as he looked at her and said, Did you say, did you say no, precious? Could you imagine what that was like? Excuse me, what did you say to me? That's a word he's never heard before. She said, No. And you know what? He was so after what that she said. The world wants to look at the church. He wants to see the church try itself. He wants to see the church become worldly. He wants to see the church become sinful. And let me tell you, the world loves it when one of God's ministers falls. Amen? They celebrate when a preacher falls. Vashti lost her crown, but she kept her dignity. She was a woman whose price was far above rubies. The Bible tells us you need to be looking for that kind of wife. You need to be looking for that one. The one whose dignity is unimaginable price. You can't pay for it. You can't get it. That she said, no. And I can imagine what it would have been like inside of that throne room, inside of that ballroom, all those pictures turned out and looked at the king and said, what are we going to do now? I wonder how many of them started whispering in each other's ears saying, if that she could do it and get away with it, what's going to stop my wife from doing it and getting away with it? Vashti, a woman who wasn't afraid to say no, According to the law, the Medes and Persians, he could have had her killed. He could have beheaded her. And no one would have thought twice about it. She said, no, I'm better than that. And listen to me, dear Christian. If you've been selling yourself for sin, you're better than that. And you need to learn like that. She can say, no, your price is far above rubies. We make up, listen to me now, we make up the bride of Christ. We do. The church does. Where is pride? And we're supposed to look at this world and say, No, I will not do that. We have dignity. We have purity. We have righteousness. We have holiness. But he won't say that like that. No. Christ has crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. The 
if we live in spirit, let's also walk in spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What is that? Fruit of the spirit, you know, there's nine of those things. There's nine of them. And the temptation is to separate them. No, I believe truly and honestly, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will exhibit all nine of those. One after the other. Sometimes it shows itself more in this way or that way. Just one. Just one. To be stolen from them everywhere they go. Fact is the first one listed. God's spirit makes us love. Love. Love.
pray for them. They need Jesus. They need God. They need the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. It's a warning. You're going to fall in love with those people. And when you fall in love with them, your heart will ache for them. And when you get that call that says, you can't come Friday, your heart breaks because you want to see them and you want to know how they're doing. You want to pray for them. them. And you want to see the joy in their eyes. So Friday at the nursing home, I gave a short message on how to pray for them. It was a lot of fun. We're in law school. We do more training than we do preaching. We just look what preaching is supposed to be. It's a famous passage. You know it. I'm not going to put it up on the overhead. But you know it. It's in almost every wedding. You know it quite well. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is gentle, etc., etc., etc. You've heard it. You've heard the end of it. But these three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is First Corinthians 13, we miss what Paul was talking about. And it never ceases to amaze me when I look back at what Paul was talking about. It never ceases to speak to me or to convict me. Remember now, we're looking at things that accompany salvation. Things that come along with it. Does that make you holy? Paul says, and I quote, 
I want to show you a more excellent way. I want to show you something that every Christian is supposed to have. It's more excellent. It's more powerful. It's better. Are you ready for this? Because it moves me and it teaches me and it convicts me over and over again. Paul says it's more excellent. Never watch, never watch the angel. 
You remember when the hot spring would come out in that triangle? And he'd start beating on it, ding, 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 ding. And he'd say, come and get it! It was the most annoying sound in the world. He'd say, I'm going to fix you up a mess When we preach, when we teach, when we try to expound God's word without love, it is a mess of suffering. And it's annoying. Annoying is worse. Annoying to those who do it. No matter how holy you may be, no matter what gift you may have, it's nothing. Paul says, I give my body to be burned as a stake of a martyr. If I don't have love in me, nothing. more excellent. We spend our time trying to become holy in the church. I want this class. I want to teach that class. I want to lead this class. I want to do that. Look at me. Look at me. I'm growing in the church. I'm gaining more influence and power. And look, all you need to do is love. All you ever have to do. Are you loving? Are you loving?
grew up with the Ninevites and Babylonians, their city in the sea of the sea was brutal. Brutal wasn't the word. They were beyond brutal. Killing of innocent Jews. The killing of innocent babies. And God said, you need to go to Nineveh. Preach to them. Jonah went to the other Said it's amazing. You get on a boat and go to Nineveh. You know anybody who's come down? Jonah goes. God sends a storm. We know the story. Thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish. Eventually, vomited up on shore. So he walks into Nineveh and he preaches the worst sermon I ever heard. Repent, for God will destroy the city in three days. He turns around and he walks out. That's it. That's all he preached. What was he missing? about an invitation for one. How about love? How about understanding? How about repent for what? Who's commanding you to repent? He said, none of them. Christ said, Jews, one of the Jews. Let me tell you, there's a lifetime of preaching in Jonah. You want revival in the United States? It doesn't come when the church starts having revival. It comes from the White House. We need to get back to that. We need to be a trainer for our administration. We need to get back to that. Jonah preaches. He goes outside. He's ready for God to destroy the city. And God talks to him. Look at these people. Look at the animals. The message is, Or the positions, the powers, the influence. 
God, those things become useless. Oh no. Oh no. For God. God so loved the world that he gave himself put him in the hospital. Pat said, Pastor, I'm looking for a church family that we can be a part of. Can I be honest with you? If you go to church, I'm not going to tell you why it's not In fact, I think people are praying about the high temple going, they know that word of bad. Let them speak to some children. Come on. I know you read about that father who was waiting for the day that boy, that son started coming back. He ran to me, and I want to encourage you to come home home. Let your son will bring Celebrate with God the Father. Celebrate with God the Son. Celebrate with God the Holy Ghost.
don't forget, four thirty five happens this afternoon, so I will not be there. <laughs> don't forget Jesus patient and sick. So I'm probably gonna ask one of my teachers to fill in for me. So I think I'm gonna stay home and rest my voice. Pray for me. I'm not sick at all. I just have this permanent frog in my throat. I tried to kick it, but it did not become a threat. Pray for me. Becky says it's a blessing. So pray for Betsy as well. Um, either way, I'm going to ask my one teacher to fill in for tonight. And uh, be there, I'm going to stay home and rest my voice. Um, when you have an announcement, it's going to get close to the time. But it's a week. I need to be prepared for Brother Mike. And if Jim uh, has any help, I'll find him and I'll be there to see him this afternoon. I'll be on the CM test in the preaching test here on Thursday on the screen. I'm sure you know what that means. Don't forget, Kemp, Southern Baptist Church of Texas, Daniel Henry Valley, and don't forget, 